Hello and welcome everybody back to Eyes on the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Hey. Hey guys, what's up? Uh, it's episode <laughs> 30 and today is September 21st and this episode is going to be the Kaladesh Planeswalker Breakdown where we're going to talk about all the Planeswalkers in Kaladesh and where they're good and where they're bad. Spoiler alert, they're not bad. <laughs> because we talked about them a little tiny bit. We're yeah. going over some of the cards, but like this is where we're going to like really hammer down on like planeswalkers and stuff. So. Yeah, because it's a really weird, you know, card type. There's a lot of stuff going on in it. So we're going to sit down and kind of look at the nuts and bolts, dissect them. Exactly. But not like actually, because they're people. Exactly. Also, um, well, yeah, they're all people. A um, few things we're going to turn our eyes to the community real quick. First off, your pre releases are going to be this weekend. So go out to your local game store and play in the pre release. Oh yeah, I meant to like book my pre-release. I should do that tonight. <laughs> that would be a good idea. And no, I already, don't forget I'm, which store you pre-release at. No, I was gonna go to Card Kingdom this time, but <laughs> this past weekend I went to the Washington State Fair, and I was like on my way there. I'm like, I should, or I was right before I was like, I should probably look at it. There's like ten slots left. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. And like my credit card was giving me some trouble, so I'm like, and whatever, I'll do later. Mm. I go later after the fair is over, like seven hours later, all ten slots are gone. I'm like, no. And I was like, I'll just find some other. I'm just going to find some store in Olympia. There were some stores some friends were recommending. I'm going to go check it out. There you go. Uh, also, this past weekend was the limit was the loading ready run pre pre release, and that was the thing that happened to all of us. It was long, thanks to one person mostly, <laughs> like Blake Rasmussen. I don't know how often you listen to us, Blake, but man, a that deck was hilarious. B, could you not? <laughs> damn, <laughs> damn, homie, because. Like, all right, so for those who didn't spoil Blake has the Panharmonicon, Panharmonicon in his freaking in his deck, and that card, he, he built his deck around abu- using and abusing it. He had one of the, was it Cloud Chaser? Cloud Blazer. Cloud Blazer. He has one, this is the one he previewed on uh, Daily to Jeep. He had one in his deck, and I swear he cast that thing at least ten times. There were like, in like three games. He played six games because all of his games, he lost one of them. I think he played it every game. And it was just like, but the thing is also there were like two games where he had like two to zero cards in his library. Yeah, he like nearly decked. He's like, I should probably stop blinking this guy because I'm going to deck myself. <laughs> but it's a powerful card. It's hilarious. Um, They, they changed it up this week, this, this time. Uh, before it was kind of like almost like a tournament event, but they <laughs> implemented the quote unquote Jimmy Wong role. Yeah, so nobody uh, gets Jimmy. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's not not so much named that, but it was basically based off of Jimmy who made two trips up there and lost in the first round, and that was the only time you saw him Yeah, you lose once and you're done. So they basically played kind of a rotating bracket of uh, it was Lure versus Lure and Guest versus first, Guest. And Guest versus Guest for the first set of four, and then it was Lure versus Guest for the remaining four yeah. uh, games. And I enjoyed it. It was pretty fun. The The set looks hilarious. It does. Also, um, I hope everybody opens a pre-release pool as sick as Kathleen's, because, oh my oh god. My, she had five Mythics. And an on-color rare. Like, alright, so she had... She had the, the promo Nyssa. She had promo Nyssa. She had... Uh, Torrential Gearhulk. Verduris Gearhulk. And she had... Foil Rashmi. And, and she had the uh, in, uh, Invention Gear, Torrential Gearhulk as well. Yeah. And then she also had the Bristling Hydra. Yeah, it, it was Her pool was insane. We'll talk about... I actually will bring this up a little bit later when we talk about Nyssa. 
because there's stuff I want to talk about with her yes. regarding what Kathleen did in the games. So we're going to tie that in a little bit later. So we'll get back yeah. to that. Uh, also, another big thing that happened. Oh, by the way, you should go watch the pre-pre-release. Maybe not all ten hours of it. Uh, maybe like in chunks. But it's all great. It's all awesome. Um, there are changes to the Magic Online Championship Series uh, for this upcoming season. Uh, the big changes are that Platinum Pros do not get auto-invited to the playoffs, which is fine. Um, yeah, they changed that to that. There's only going to be uh, 17 guaranteed slots now. So there's going to be 24 players in the Mox Championship total when they have the event. But it's going to be one defending champion, the top two finishers in each of the Mox playoff events. Uh, that'll be eight slots there. And then the eight winners of the Mox Open events. Which are great. And the Mox Open events are exactly as they sound. They are open tournaments on Magic Online. Um, you know, think of it like just a Magic Online GP, basically. Kind of, yeah. It's going to be uh, sealed. Uh, 40, pl- 40 event tickets are 400 play points. Uh, you have the size, according to the website, is 8 through 672 players. So you just need 8 players to sign up for this annual fire. Um, first place gets 4 future non-premium Magic Online sets and 72 booster packs, as well as an invitation to the mocks. Uh, championship pro tour and the pro tour challenge which is amazing if you can you can technically play like if you get a god pool or you're just darn good at limited and you you can put 40 event tickets of 40 bucks in and get four full online sets in the future 72 online packs and like three major event invites like it's the potential winnings of topping in first are insane oh yeah they are they are the bee's knees. They are insane. Like even even down to eighth place, you still get one future whole non-premium Magic Online set, which you can redeem, by the way. Yes. And seventy-two booster packs online. Like it's silly. It's it's gonna be cool. Like yes. I might actually do one. Yeah. Like I said, it's just kind of like your own GP in your living room, and, and you don't even have to put on pants. With, I was going to say, with or without pants. Because <laughs> that's the thing. You play Magic Without Pants. Yeah, magic Obligatory online. no pants on the internet comment is now complete. All right. Yep. Check that box. Let's move on. So now we're going to talk about the Planeswalkers in Kaladesh. And we have four of them in Kaladesh because they decided that, you know what? We're just going to make this all, all the Planeswalkers. Because all these Planeswalkers oh. are sweet. Well, John, so what, what is a Planeswalker anyway? Oh, yes. Yeah, so we should we probably talk about what this. Planeswalkers are. So a Planeswalker a is a, well, in the flavor of the game, they are, they are people or they're sentient beings that can, pl- that can walk between the different planes. So normally if you're born on Kaladesh, you're stuck there. But if you're a Planeswalker, you can move between them like Dovin Bond does and Sahili Rai does. Um, and, in, and Chandra. And Chandra, yes. I forgot about Chandra. I'm sorry, Chandra. Um, <laughs> at least I didn't forget about Dre. Nice. Anyways. Nice. Um, but Sorry, were you saying something? Oh, no, I said nice. Nice. There we go. Um, now, as far as the cards are concerned, um, they look like any other magic card, except you'll have this the character, and they have different loyalty abilities, and a number in the bottom right, which is their starting loyalty number. You usually yeah. ref- use this reflecting, or usually note this reflecting dice, so that you can kind of tick it up or tick it down, depending on which abilities you use. Now, remember, in the grand scheme of when you're playing magic, you are essentially a planeswalker, and why they're called loyalty counters is you're basically summoning these planeswalkers to help you out, so... Having them do abilities is, you know, whether or not they'll stick around and be loyal to you or they're going to go away kind of thing like that. Exactly. Uh, if you see a plus number next to a plane, next to an ability, that means you add that many counters. If you see a minus, that means you remove that many counters. If it says zero, you neither add nor subtract any loyalty counters. That's pretty self-explanatory. 
Um, planeswalker abilities are usually denoted by a plus, a minus, and then a big minus, which is usually what we call the ultimate. Um, and when we evaluate planeswalkers for, say, limited or constructed for constructed magic, we want to look at three main um, areas. The, the first area is can the planeswalker protect itself? Uh, protecting itself means can it get rid of creatures? Can it nullify threats? Can it do something to make sure that the planeswalker doesn't die on the crackback or the next turn? Yeah, so like a good example of this would be a planeswalker that might have an ability uh, that will give a creature minus X minus X or something like that. Or Elspeth's like, champions plus one of make three soldier. Or uh, when a cure, I forget the first cure. Uh, crashing wave where crashing it was, wave. Uh, you just bump um, permanent. Prevent all combat damage the creature to dealt to or again like by this creature this turn yeah. or until your next turn. So basically put him in a bubble. Now the other thing that a planeswalker needs to do is be able to affect the board state. Usually protecting itself and affecting the board state go hand in hand, but there's a few cases where that's not necessarily going to be the case. Yeah, like uh, one of the things we just saw was uh, Obnixilis's kill ability. Like, that can kill a planeswalker. No, it's only creatures. Oh, no, wait, no, 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 my bad. I'm thinking uh, Garrick, yeah, Alpha. Big Garrick. Yeah, Apex Predator. Yeah, Apex Predator, uh, where you can stick it and kill a planeswalker just right off the bat. Like, normally. Or even Soren, where like you know you can real top card. Well, that that that's more gaining advantage than affecting the board state. I think you're well, thinking more along the lines of sort. Uh, but you can go for it. Well, I was gonna say just like you can use it to redirect damage and stuff. That yeah. kind of thing. Like Grim Nemesis is minus X ability, where you can just you know do something to kill a creature or do something along those same lines. Yeah. Or Sean, or uh, what's it? When we had Ugin. Yes, just Ugin's. Deal some damage and stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now, the last thing that a planeswalker needs to do is the, probably the least important of the three. But it, if left unchecked, it should win you the game. But in some form or fashion, this the planeswalker is a recurring source of advantage. And there's not many cards like planeswalkers in Magic. They're, they're unique in their power level, and there's no cards that just basically be like, okay, every turn you can do something without paying mana. So. Yeah. Yeah, the thing the thing is, we'll actually touch on this with some of these planeswalkers. Is like they actually will produce what's called some of them will produce what's called an emblem, which is actually uninteractable. Yeah, inside the actual game, because uh, it take, it actually sits in the command zone, which if you haven't ever played Commander, it's a zone separate outside the game. It's not exile. It's completely untouchable as of right now. Um, in that zone that exists are commanders, poison counters. Experience counter counters and emblems. I think counters and now, go on and you, not yeah. the. Okay, yeah. But anyways, true. the oh, yeah. point it's, being, it's 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 outside the game, yeah. kind of away from not being able to be touched, kind of thing. Like you can't like destroy an emblem. And I had a, I had a conversation about this um, actually this week about people like we should be able to get rid of emblems. Uh, and a there is Ooh. a way of getting rid of emblems. It's called Ultimate Incarn Liberated. <laughs> <laughs> B. Uh, for those who don't know, Karn Liberated's minus 14 ability is you restart the game, and that's how you get rid of emblems. Uh, number two is that you shouldn't be able to because a lot of these emblems, you had to work a hard, you had to work a lot to get to these emblems, and making a card that you just like gets rid of an emblem is just not very fun. Yeah, an emblem is supposed to be your payoff, basically yeah. for it's your reward for having got, gotten your friend Planeswalker to such a high loyalty, and then you'd be like, yes, do all this stuff for me, thank you. 
like in my opinion, a a card that would remove emblems would have to cost somewhere in the order of six to eight mana to be fair in comparison to what's being removed. Yeah. So and that's that's just kind of bad game design in my opinion. But I yeah. don't design games for a living, so. Well, and even then, I'm pretty sure like the people at Wizards have tested stuff potentially to get rid of emblems and have just decided it's not worth the uh, not worth the hassle. Yep. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about our Planeswalkers, and we're going to start with the first new Planeswalker that we were introduced to, and that is Dovin Bon uh, in the story-wise. We didn't we've, we saw Sahili in the key art, but we'll talk about Sahili later. But first we're going to talk about Dovin Bon. Um, Ian, could you just go ahead and tell us what Dovin Bon does? Okay, so Dovin Bon is a uh, Vidalkan artificer uh, who works with the, uh, the consulate. consulate on Kaladesh, and he is a blue-white planeswalker. So he has two blue and a white, so that's four mana. His starting loyalty is three. He has a plus one of up to one target creature and opponent controls gets minus three, minus O oh until your next turn, and its activated abilities can't be activated. I will now, notice, I will note real quick that it's worded differently on the card, but that's the gist. <laughs> oh, thanks, John. <laughs> I did this one from memory, okay? All right. Uh, anyway, so basically stuff that essentially means is, for instance, Eldrazi Displacer. That'll become an O3, and you can't use it for the blank ability, or it's like bouncing blank ability. Yes, exactly. So, all right. And he has a minus one of you gain two life and draw a card. Okay. That's, that's... kind of like... Some little card advantage, so you can keep plusing him up. His plus is his protection ability, basically, you know, make something can't hit him down below what, you know, could kill him. Minus one gives him some card advantage, fine. But his minus seven, his ultimate, is you get an emblem with your opponents can't untap more than two permanents during their untap step. Now, this is very reminiscent to it. It's actually basically the word templating from an older card from way back in the day called Static Orb, which did the exact same ability. And this is where emblems come into play, where they can actually replicate what older cards have done. Like, if they don't want to, say, reprint a card like Static Orb in Standard, they can just build it into a Planeswalker's Ultimate. Exactly. And also, fun fact, Static Orb is actually one of the Kaladesh inventions for this set, which is going to be really funny to whoever opens Static Orb and Dovin Bond in the same sealed pool or draft. <laughs> hey, look. Wait, I, John, you're the judge. Does that stack? Uh... N- I don't think so, because, well, Static Orb is symmetrical, so it also affects you, so it's just kind of bad, personally. But, you know. <laughs> also, I don't think multiple Dovin Bond emblems do anything anyways, so... Because I think if you have multiples, and you untap two permanents, and then the other Dovin the both emblems are going to say, yeah, you untap two permanents, good job. Well, I meant like this is Static Orb. Oh, with Static Orb, I think, that, I think that would care as well. I think that would see, do the same thing, where it's just kind of like... Yes, you untap two permanents, and Dovin Bond's emblem goes, yes, you untap two permanents, so I don't think they stack. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Something to look into. But, uh, so what do you think about him? I think I like Dovin Bond. Um, he is kind of a blue... Well, after Narset... Narset was a very interesting blue-white planeswalker for control decks, but unfortunately blue-white control didn't happen in that standard. Uh, Dovin it, Bond has it, all the makings yes. of a good kind of control planeswalker for limited and for standard. Um, I do like that his plus one um, kind of semi-arrests the creature, where, you know, they can't activate their abilities, like you mentioned, for Odrazi Displacer being kind of a big problem for decks like this. Yeah, like, especially if, if, if he, he's obviously built towards control, so trying to lock something down is really, really decent for that kind of deck. It helps you get a turn where, because obviously you're tapping four mana for this, 
So you're going to want at least some sort of protection definitely on him. And if you hit him turn four, you, you know you're not going to get the ability to hold up a counter or something else of that sort. So being able to at least stave off some sort of threat is decent. Also, that his second ability only being a minus one and his gain two life draw card is definitely not irrelevant. Um, being able, like, Dovenbond could just be a four mana, you know, draw three, gain six. Granted, it's over a few turns, but that's a very powerful thing to see. Yeah, and remember, um, with loyalty, I don't think we touched on this. Oh, it's actually a, this. no, it's a second, it can be a secondary life total for you as well. Um, but like I said, I've kind of touched on the redirecting damage. Uh, so what will end up happening is to, to deal damage to a planeswalker, you, your creature can attack it directly, or they can use a, uh, say your opponent has a lightning bolt in older formats. So they can deal three damage to target creature or player. It doesn't say planeswalker because when the card was printed, there were no such thing as planeswalkers. So how they got around this is they introduced a rule where, like, it's, you know, your, your fellow planeswalker, your loyalty, if they get hit, they lose loyalty because obviously you don't want them to get hurt. That's kind of where it comes into play story-wise. But you, you get targeted with a lightning bolt. They can then choose to redirect the damage to the planeswalker, essentially giving you extra life. So let's say you're 20 life, you play a planeswalker, you get 20 plus whatever their thing is, unless you decide to ultimate or minus it down. Also, sometimes planeswalkers are such big threats that they that you can just kind of use them as a pseudo fog, where, where your your opponent just like you have to kill this, and instead of killing me. Yeah, it's like I play this, deal with this now, or you're just done. Yeah. Uh, another thing about Dovin Bond, um, he is very like like we mentioned before, he's very good in control decks. I think he's going to see standard play. I think there's too many cards that were printed in Kaladesh to make a blue white control deck viable for it not to show up. I think. Yeah, I haven't really done a whole lot of looking at, like, in terms of standard, you know, brewing. Mainly, it's kind of sad, mainly just because there's no real big events coming up that I really want to delve delve into and, you know, have a standard deck ready in, like, the next, like, three, four weeks. But, well, I mean, there's game day, but I think I'm just going to take a retooled thermo burn to that. But uh, I don't know how good he is in older formats. I don't... I mean, I don't... I think in modern, you'd rather play Narset. Because Narset is just so hard to kill in modern. And even um, then, I, it, I was actually reading an article about this on uh, some mo- like about modern today. The control deck, basically, there's a control deck in modern, and the control deck is Grixis Delver. <laughs> well, I mean, there are some blue white decks that you can play. Like Elspeth Sun's Champion does an amazing job against Eldrazi. It's not oh, even funny. She's yeah. That's why they pl- they play it in the sideboard for the mirror. Exactly. Um, Which is hilarious. But uh, as far as like getting into a deck like Eldrazi, I don't think the Muff fits there, but I, I do agree that he will probably see some sort of standard play at some point. I, I He's just good. I mean, the two cards that I see playing very, very well with him are Revolutionary Rebuff, which is one blue-white instant counter-target non-artifact spell unless his controller pays two. Yes. And Fumigate, which is three white-white sorcery, destroy all creatures, you gain one life for each creature destroyed. And we saw that hit a couple times during the pre-release. And that yes. thing was, or pre-pre-release, and that was a pretty big beating. Yeah, Wraths are always good in Limited, and they're especially good in Sealed. Um, but yeah, Dovin Bond, I think, is, is... I think there's too many good blue-white cards for the blue-white control deck to fail, personally. Yeah. I could be wrong, and there could just be no blue-white deck, but I think that Dovin is going to be a part of every single blue-white deck that you're going to want to play in, uh, in this standard environment. Well, I mean, he, you're going to have to just see how well he deals with Eldrazi in Emerge decks. I think that's that, really what he's going to That's going to be his, that's going to be the big test is like, is it worth playing Dova Bond over playing something like Emerge? Yeah. Which doesn't touch the white decks. Also, um, before we move on to the next Planeswalker, his ultimate is less 
win on the spot than most are. Um, like, you being able to have all your mana and your opponent having none of their mana is very, very powerful, especially in limited. But I don't think it's as impactful as we might want it to be. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll have to play with the card to be sure. No, I think it's definitely going to be one that'll slow your opponent down. But there are ways. Like I said, I mentioned the merge decks. Like, that mana reduction off of a lot of that stuff can actually help with that. Because, I mean, you might your opponent might just be able to sit, okay, I just untap two lands this turn go, untap two lands this turn, go, yeah. emerge. Like, if you're playing a control deck that doesn't have any direct pressure on your opponent, you know, you could be looking at, like, your opponent's going pat, right, untap two, pass, untap two, pass, yeah. untap unlike, unlike, two more, start the dumping threats on the board again. Yeah, unlike Jace, Architect of Thought, or Elspeth's Sun's Champion, and Older Standards, um, and some of the other Planeswalkers that we've seen, Dovin Bond does not win the game on his own. He needs some extra little. He needs some extra assistance. He needs buddies. Cases. He needs buddies. Yeah. He needs friends. And you know what? What for? What is a deck without friends? Speaking of friends. Speaking of friends, uh, we're talking about the Gruel friends, or we're we talking about. <laughs> In any case, we're going to talk about Nissa Vital Force. Um, and before we, I talk about Nissa Vital Force just real quick. Um, we're not going to talk about the Planeswalkers from the Planeswalker decks. Yes. Um, those are only going to basically see play in casual in casual play or like in commander. Um, these are the ones that these planeswalkers we're going to talk about are the ones you'll find in limited, the ones you'll find in standard. Um, if you want to hear our thoughts about um, Chandra Pyrogenius and Nissa Nature's Artisan, uh, hit us up on Twitter. And if you don't know our handles, you'll hear it at the end of the show. That's called burying the lead. Yeah. Kind of. I don't know. I think, Anyways. I think so. I don't. <laughs> I don't write, dude. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about Nissa Vital Force. She is three green green for a five loyalty Nissa. That's a pretty high loyalty for a five for a five mana planeswalker. Uh, I mean, she comes down on cost. She does come out. Yep, she comes down on cost. Uh, her plus one is untapped target land you control until your next turn. It becomes a five five elemental creature with haste. It's still a land. It has haste so that you don't have to get worried about untapping the land you played that turn and attacking with it. I like that new template thing they've been starting to include with stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people during the pre-pre-release because, like we said, Kathleen had it in her pool who were like, she can't attack with that. And people are like, read the cards, um, which you should. Yes. But Nissa mm -hmm. is good. That's a good plus ability. Puts a big body in the way. It's going to make it very hard to get at Nissa. Her minus three is return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand, which is a very powerful green thing to do. Yeah, like... Green's been seeing a lot of this kind of thing lately. It's like kind of a restock effect. Yeah. Um, um, it's good. <laughs> Especially, we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute. Just tell her, what's her ultimate? <laughs> her ultimate is, a, is a, a low, low cost of minus six, which if you've been paying attention, her starting loyalty is five. She has a plus one, so she can ultimate the turn after she comes into play if you want. Uh, but you get an emblem with whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card, which is a one-sided horn of greed. Yeah, um, like I said, we mentioned older cards that come in, you know, come into effect here. But I like her; she's pretty darn good for mid range. Oh yeah. Now a lot of people have been focusing on the fact that she only takes one turn to ultimate. Um, I honestly think that her best use is actually her minus three, because in limited and in standard, um, there's going to be removal and your creatures are going to die. It's just a matter of fact. Um, whether it's a fumigate, whether it's a whatever like your creatures are going to be destroyed or you're going to get an enchantment destroyed or something along those lines now 
what the benefit is going to be is that her minus three is just, hey, you know that thing that died? Just put it back in your hand and cast it next turn. Or it's like, oh no, your your tireless tracker died. Well, just pick it back up and you'll play it next turn. Or just, oh no, my my Nissa's in the graveyard. Well, I'll play my second Nissa and then pick up my other Nissa. Like it is, it has a lot of things going for it in that minus three ability. And I think well, that people are going to overvalue the minus six. I mean, grapple with the pass is a card. That's true, and this card is um, is not quite as good as grapple, but it, it gets back whatever you want. As well, no, I mean, I mean, grapple puts stuff in your yard that you like. You can basically get back. That's true. Nessa. I it's think like, <laughs> dump a couple things in your yard, put on layaway. I actually think the Nissa Vital Force plays really well with Liliana um, Last Ope, even though they do not like each other in the story. <laughs> no, you want to also kind of works really funnily with her minus six ability, and I would not be surprised to see people brewing with. Gitrog Frog and this, uh, as well oh, as the get, the get Good Toad. Oh yeah, that's true. Splendid Reclamation, which is if you remember, it's the three and a green sorcery from Eldritch Moon, which is return all land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Oh no. <laughs> Yo. Oh, no. You get her emblemed out and you Splendid Reclamation. How do you like drawing a lot of cards? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I hear I like drawing cards. It, I mean, you've like we saw in last standard just how many cards those Delirium decks dump into their graveyard. I know that they were trying. That I know Andrew Cunio put a list up of a splendid Dark Relation deck that he tried for the pro that he tested for the Pro Tour, and he just didn't like it. Apparently, I well, really I mean, hope it's good, but I'm not. I'm not sold yet. I'm not sold either. But it's a thing that you know. It. I just wanted to point out all the like really cool, crazy, weird angles. So I mean, like this just sounds like something somebody at FNM is going to just bring to the table. It's like, look at this cool thing I can do. Boop, 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 boop. Exactly. So I mean, like I said, just you know. Cool things in FNM, but five loyalty, kind of a little high for something modern related, like yeah, standard. Five. Yeah, I think she's definitely going to either see main deck or sideboard play in standard, but modern five mana, there's just way too many other things going on. Yeah, that's true. She is going to be very good in commander. I will tell you that right now. Oh my gosh. She's going to be ridiculous and stuff like that in singleton formats. Uh, also, she is hilarious with doubling season because yes. Yeah, I had yeah. I was as soon as you mentioned the five loyalty and ultimate next turn. Yeah, so doubling season means she'll come down with ten loyalty counters, meaning you can ultimate her the turn you play her, and I she mean, still has four counters on her. Yeah, it's kind of silly. Uh, the good news is that out of all that, half of the planeswalkers that we're going to be talking about don't ultimate the turn they come into play with um, doubling season. Um, Dovin doesn't, and Sahili doesn't, but Nissa and Chandra do. But one of the two of these are, you know, maybe not going to see play next to doubling season. No. But uh, other than that, what do you think, John? I like Nissa. She's, she's got a lot of things going on for her. She's she's going to be a bomb in limited. She's going to be good in standard. I agree with you that I don't think she's going to see competitive play, like in modern or legacy or anything like that. Yeah, but usually, think... yeah, so if I say, like, I don't know if she'll see play in modern, like, usually that's kind of like the hard cut, where it's like, if it doesn't see modern play, it's probably not going to see further play. I have to put an asterisk on that one for our next card, but we'll get there. Yeah. Anyways, so let's go ahead and talk about our next card. Uh, Ian, please tell us all you know about Sahili Rai. Well, what I do know is the card, and that is Sahili Rai. She is a one blue and a red, so it's three mana. Uh, Planeswalker Sahili comes down with three loyalty, so you're getting three loyalty for three mana. Right on par for that one. She has a plus one of scry one. Sahili Rai does one damage to each opponent. Okay. Card selection is nice. Yeah. 
Now she has a minus two that says create a token that is a copy of target artifact or creature you control, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. That token gains haste, exile it at the beginning of the next end step. So it's most likely going to be the end of your turn. Yeah, I think this minus two is a little bit too emblematic of her red side, personally. I would love to see this token stick around a little bit longer, but, you know. Yeah, usually token gaining haste and exiling is something red will do. Take them in. And since the last genre we had, she did a similar, similar kind of thing. Um, but she has a minus seven ultimate, and this is a pretty interesting one, which is why I had to add that asterisk on there. Search your library for up to three artifact cards with different names, put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So this is just assemble your jank combo? Basically, like, you can literally, like, okay, so I had to put the asterisk in. Don't know if she sees playing Modern. Don't know if she sees playing Legacy. Maybe see playing Vintage, but she'll definitely see playing stuff like Highlander, where you can just literally just, like, ult, like if you, she goes unchecked, you can ultimate her. Search her deck for any three artifacts. That can be Swords. That can be uh, a Blightsteel Colossus. Yeah. Just cheat a big 11-11 Trampling Infector on the play. You can yeah. put Moxin in the play. She has a you lot can, of really powerful things. You can fetch up the Time Vault combo. <laughs> you can. Uh, you, you can also fetch up my favorite commander combo of Darksteel Forge, Micasynth Lattice, and Nevenril's Disc. Um, <laughs> how that combo works is everything is now an artifact. All your artifacts are indestructible. And then when you untap with Nevenril's Disc, you can tap it to blow up the world, except all your stuff is still there. And no That's one else has any permanence. You're an evil human being, John. I know. I'm the worst. Says the infect player. <laughs> Set to the storm player. <laughs> yeah, basically. No, it's but... standard. Sahili is probably going to see play a little bit in the blue-red burn deck if it sticks around. Um, like, the, the incremental damage in the scry one every turn is going to be very good. And Sasa, God of the Sea, in Theros, told us how good a consistent scry one can be. Yeah, that is true. Uh, but, like, Thassa could just sit there and scry and not be interacted with um, until you had, you know. Now, now, Ian, you said that she won't see play in Modern, but have you heard about the jankiest jank combo with Sahili Rai in Modern? Go on. Go on. <laughs> uh, this really only requires two cards, but you need something to be the payoff because the combo is Sahili Rai and Liquid Metal Coating. Now, if you don't know, know what Liquid Metal Coating is, you'd be forgiven unless you played during Scar's Lock. It's a two-mana artifact that you can tap to make target permanent an artifact. So you you make Sahili into an artifact, then you minus two Sahili targeting herself. So you make a copy of Sahili with three loyalty, and okay. you choose to keep the one with three loyalty. You can do this at Infinum, because every Sahili you're going to make is an artifact. She can copy any artifact, so you just That's... make infinite Sahilis. Okay. Now, the thing is that you need some way of... of Doing, of winning the game at that point. Uh, my favorite would be Disciple of the Vault, which is a one black for a one one from original Mirrodin that says whenever a artifact is put into your graveyard from play, a uh, target opponent loses a life. So the copies count as the artifacts going into your graveyard. Yes. Huh. <laughs> huh. Oh wait, what was that one? The uh oh god, the one the milk card from Con's block. Is that one any? You know, when it, like a permanent enters the battlefield, permanent oh, mills alter one. the brood. Yeah, you could alter yeah. the brood too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. That's how you win the game. <laughs> hey, mill players, I hear you like clean bread now. It's super janky. <laughs> it's super hilarious. It's super um, bad. That is the jankest of the jank right there. Um, yeah, so Zahili, it remains to be seen. I think she's really cool um, overall. I 
don't know how good that plus ability is. Like Scry is great, yes, but the the deals one damage each opponent. I kind of wish it was opponent or player or opponent or creature. That'd be way too much. Like if it was one damage target creature or player, I think that would be a little much. I like each opponent because it references like multiplayer formats like Commander or in a conspiracy draft or something along those lines. Yeah, um, they, they've usually done that kind of templating any, more often these days. Like, two at a giant, she just does scry one deal too. Also, it's a plus ability. Like, you're not going to see a planeswalker with a plus ability that's, you know, deal damage to a creature. That's true. Like, usually, all the see that. Usually, you see, you, you usually see that as just a minus ability, like Liliana. Yeah, like Chandra Pyromaster had the plus one of deal one to opponent, one to a creature, and then that can't block, which is great against X ones, but it's very, but it was a very limited effect, and I don't think that we would see like a scry one and ping a creature. I think that'd just be a little much. Yeah. Now, as yeah, you but, mentioned, uh, no, go ahead. Oh no, you're fine. As you mentioned, you know, Vintage has Dak Faden, and Sahili is a blue red planeswalker. That's three mana, and do I need to say it again? Three mana planeswalkers always see play in standard, always. Yeah, it's just where no she, exceptions. Where, where she sees a home. Now, I have been seeing a heck of a lot of talk of vehicles and people testing for events and vehicles being like, is anyone else? Like, for instance, Zach Elsa was like, is anyone else having a success with vehicles as I am in testing right now? <laughs> that, I, I mean, mean, she make, she does copy vehicles. What's the one that comes into play haste when it enters the battlefield? It becomes an artifact creature. Oh, fleet will cruise. Yeah. She could target a fleet wheel cruiser and make a copy of it. It yeah. doesn't have to crew it. That's true. Yeah, that'd be like, if you played it that turn four on turn four, and then you're swinging for ten. That's pretty good. I mean, you can plus when she hits. Yeah, the minus. But two I mean, hit. and there's also the uh, that red artifact that you know you keep when it does damage. You know, is it the exile the Bomat courier? Oh, the the oh that guy. That guy's yeah. weird. I don't think I would. Eh. If you're looking for like an artifact vehicle ish. Type red blue style deck, you never know. My good and something like that, but that's just jank stuff. Like I said, I haven't done a lot of construction testing at all yeah. yet. But like you oh. said, it's a three mana planeswalker. Three mana planeswalker always seems to find their way into standard at some point or another. Whether or not we see her right now off the bat, or if we see her later down when Aether Revolt hits and we get more artifact payoff kind of thing. Yeah, and my original point was that she does have to compete with Dak Faden and Vintage, and Dak Faden is probably the best planeswalker in Vintage because you could just take things. But like copying yes. a worm coil engine or copying a you know copying a time vault would be hilarious, but probably a bad idea. Um, like copying, there's a bunch of artifacts and vintage that you can just copy and just you know, do hilarious things with. I mean, copy an artifact, get a use out of it, sack it to tinker. Yeah, that's something you can totally do. Um, I'm not sold on Sealy in that format though, because you know she does have Dak Faden to compete with, and right. I think her decks would be built a little bit differently than d- decks with Dak in it. Yeah, and but probably and probably if you're just going to play Dak, if you're going to play Sahili, it's probably one of those, like, why aren't you just playing Dak kind of thing. Yeah, it might just be one of those things, which is a little sad, but, yeah. One I mean, it's I'm terrible. She's a good card, and I like the fact that she's in she, We have a new Planeswalker with her. So. And you can picture it a Force of Will. Oh, my God. <laughs> you went there. Hey, I... I had to mention all the things. So, by the way, Dovin Bond can also be pitched as a force of will. Just keep your eyes open. <laughs> Damn it, John. <laughs> oh, man. So, so, so Ian, you, you talked all about Sahili and Dovin Bond, and it looks like so, it's 
it's my turn to talk about the the, the remaining member of the Gruel Friends. So, so tell me about Chandra the Flame Sculptor. I mean, Chandra Torch of Defiance. <laughs> oh man, what is what isn't there to say? Um, <laughs> we mentioned her a little bit uh, when we first talked about her when she was revealed because holy fire, um, Chandra Torch of Defiance is two red red for a four loyalty Planeswalker Chandra. Um, by the way, I didn't specif- we didn't talk about this at the beginning, but all Planeswalkers are mythic because they'd be silly at rare. Um, they were but, rare originally. But that was because like, those were mythics. Mythic was a rarity. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I had to mention it because then yes. could have been like, well, this one was a rare. I know. Mythics I know. didn't exist before that. Anyways. In lower one block. Yes. Chandra Torch of Defiance has a plus one ability. Exile the top card of your library. You may cast that card. If you don't, Chandra Torch of Defiance deals two damage to each opponent. Um, of note, you must cast the card as re- as the ability resolves, so you don't get to um, put a- wait until you you know play a extra land, see what else happens. No, if you want to cast this, if you want to be able to cast the spell, make sure you play a land first. Um, you it's, she also can't play lands because she says cast spells. Yeah, so if it's you not a land, it's just shock your opponents. Yeah, it's similar to, but not exactly like the Abbot of Carol Keep. Close, not quite, but close. Um, Which is kind of fun story related because that's where she went after she became a planeswalker. So it's very similar to that ability. I like flavor. that kind. Of, I like the flavor on it. It is very good. Uh, she has another plus one ability, um, which is add red red to your mana pool. Um, I know Ian doesn't like this, but Chandra effectively only costs two mana thanks to the second plus one ability. Oh, I'm fine with people saying she effectively costs two mana. I'm not okay with people who are like, oh, she just costs two mana. I'm like, why? you get two back it's like no you still have to have four mana for it <laughs> yeah like chandra being able to just go you know play her plus one make two red mana and then you know cast a harnessed lightning if you're going to be playing an energy deck or casting incendiary flow or you know playing a blocker or whatever it is like this is this is a real thing like chandra protecting herself is literally you know her second plus one ability and playing a creature or playing a removal spell yeah like it's crazy Getting the extra, like, mana buyback, basically. It's like, pay four, get two free kind of thing. Yeah. She like, has a minus three ability, which is she deals four damage to target creature, which so is flash. as well. Yeah. Um, we similarly saw this ability on Sarkin Dragonspeaker, who was three red red for a foil loyalty planeswalker, who also had a minus three of this ability, which is fine. Um, they can do that. Um, red only has so much design space and direct damage, so this is a fine ability to have. Yeah. Wasn't there that the, the new card as well from the Chandra? Yes. From the Planeswalker deck that, decks, she has um, four and a red, deal four at instant speed to a creature or a player. I mean, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she has a minus seven, because this Chandra has four abilities. Um, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell, this emblem deals five damage to target creature or player. So you just get a lava axe you can throw wherever you want. Yeah, I'm probably going to po- be pointing it at their face. Like, face, face. I would agree with you, because face. only four activations kill someone from 20 life. Keep in mind, too, the plus one ability deals two damage to the opponent if you so choose. You can choose not to cast that card, and when you're ticking her up, plus three, that's six damage. And then all you got to do is, when you pop her emblem, just start bashing some face. And if you already had some burn spells, you know, you're already hitting people for a lot more. So it's... It's that's one of those like when we deal talking about emblems that just can end the game unchecked. This is an emblem that can end the game unchecked because you, you're just playing magic. You're casting a spell. It doesn't yeah. say instant or sorcery. It could be a planeswalker. It could be an artifact, enchantment, anything. Instant 
sorcery, creature, whatever, if it's a spell, it's dealing five damage to wherever you want. So what Ian's really saying is that if ever if Ian ever ultimates Chandra, he's going to have zero spells in hand and draw no spells for the rest of the game. Yes, I'm going to draw nothing but lands. <laughs> no, but seriously, like all you need to do is draw spells. And in a red deck, ideally everything you have costs four or less anyways. And you're playing less than like 20 lands. Well, I don't think I would yep. play Chandra in a deck with sub-20 lands, though. Yeah, but, but you know what I'm saying. Like, burn decks yeah. usually play... All right. What I meant by that is burn decks play a lower than average number of lands when constructed. Usually constructed exactly. decks anywhere from 25 to 20. About 25-ish is the average. Exactly. So, so you're going to probably be playing 20 to 23. So you're yeah. going to have less chances of drawing. But even then, she is a house. Like, I'm, I joked around with Chandra, the flame sculptor, joking around about Jace, the mind sculptor, who was one of the last ones that we saw with... I mean, yeah, we saw Garrick, but like... At a four mana, four loyalty, four ability planeswalker, JTMS is the card. I'm sorry to actually you, but Jace the Mind Sculptor has three. Um, pish. Okay, yeah. I got it wrong. Anyways, it's not Either. like Jace the Mind Sculptor is not the best planeswalker ever printed. Yeah, just just constant brainstorm on a stick. Yeah, people kept there were people arguing whether Chandra is better than Jace, and th- the answer is Jace is better than Chandra by a Correct. mile. Correct. A free brainstorm every turn is just absurd. But is Chandra bad? Oh no! Hell no! Another big, another great. She will see standard play. She will see modern play. She might see legacy play. Yeah. I don't know about vintage. I know she's gonna see uh, commander play. She's gonna see Highlander play. She's gonna see kitchen table magic play. Yeah. Like she's going to see play of the ones we've mentioned so far. I have no doubt in my mind that people, if not like steady play in these formats she will see some play in testing another great thing about chandra that we haven't even mentioned yet is that let's say you play chandra on turn four and mm-hmm. you miss your land drop on turn five you can still cast a six drop yep by the way you know what's a six a six mana red card in standard right now cataclysmic gear hulk that's the white one it's oh, combustible gear hulk combustible gear hulk which is a six mana six six first strike that could draw you three cards or dome your opponent for a million Yep. That is crazy. It's Easy crazy. Pig. Yep, yep. Yeah, Shandra like is so good. Yeah, the fact that she can just generate and if you do hit that one, you can get seven mana. Yeah. And then eight mana. Like Yeah. And you're plussing her up to her ultimate. <laughs> she helps it's you silly. pass stuff. It's it's ridiculous. Like you don't even need like the card advantage off of the exile ability. Like if you're just draw- if you happen to luck into just drawing your spells, you're going to get value out of Chandra as long as you are able to protect her. Yeah, it, she's just so good. It's just ridiculous. She, I mean, she has she has the biggest kill me on site now target of any of the planeswalker we've talked about in the set. Yeah, it's just it's just silly how absurd she is right now. Um, now. The biggest question with with Chandra is we have this Chandra. We also uh-huh. have the previous contender for best Chandra ever printed in Chandra Flamecaller in the same standard. Yeah, and then that's where things get a little bit interesting. Um, they kind of do different things, but also want to be in similar decks. So a thing we haven't mentioned yet is that there's this thing called the Planeswalker Uniqueness Rule. Uh, think of it like the legendary rule, except for planeswalker subtypes. Planeswalker subtypes are usually are just the names. For example, 
uh, Dovin Bond, while Ian mentioned, while he's a Vidalcan, he's an artificer. He's a planeswalker Dovin. He doesn't he doesn't care about Vidalcans. He doesn't care about artificers. Just like Nissa doesn't care about elves, or Sahili doesn't care about humans. Um, if I have a shorter Torch of Defiance, and then I have a Chandra Flamecaller from Oath of the Gatewatch, I have to pick one to keep. I don't get to have both for free. Yeah, and like I said, Chandra Flamecaller did some great things. Like the, her minus zero to discall. Discard all of her cards in your hand and draw that many plus one can be great, especially if you're holding a grip of land late game. Um, that said, I it's going to be really hard to say like which one you're going to want. I think that, I mean, this Chandra is not necessarily going to do... This Chandra is going to be good. This Chandra is going to see play, but I do think they go in different decks because I agree with you. Like I think Chandra Flamecaller is the big red deck, whereas this Chandra is kind of like... It's really good in the aggressive decks. It's probably pretty good in the mid-range decks. But the controlling red decks probably don't want a Chandra Torch of Defiance. I could be wrong. I, I yeah, I don't, I, I don't. Like I said, <laughs> I'm not really the brewers for the the standard stuff right now. But I don't. Like, yeah, I I really think that the fact that they're able to have two of the same Planeswalker right now in the same standard format, they're going to be around for a little while now. Um, yeah. I like it. Like it's one of those. You can't be like, oh, well, I need a Red Planeswalker just going to go get Chandra. It's like, which Chandra do you want? Yeah. It's like, what does your deck want to do? Which one fits it better? Do you want those elemental creature tokens to apply pressure? Do you just want to get card advantage? Both have card advantage. It depends what kind of card advantage you want. Are you looking to at least be able to cast a lot of spells? If you want to cast a lot of spells, I think Torch of the Finds is going to be better because it gives you that extra mana. Yeah. And also, like, Flamecaller also has the, the pseudo-wildfire ability of her minus X and deal X to all creatures. Like, they do very different things, and I'm sure that there's going to be decks that want to play one or both. But I don't think you want to... I actually don't want, think you want to play both, but I think you want one or the other. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if I'd want to play this in something like a retooled Thermo Burn. Like, the Torch of Defiance. I mean, you could, but... Like, yeah, it's one of those, it's like, do I really want to? Because, well, sh- the... the her emblem gets out of absolute hand, especially once you've got Thermo Alchemist online. And if you have multiple online and you're exiling top card, your top card you can cast is a burn spell, and you can get those untapped triggers with your Thermo Alchemist. You can start doing some hilarious amounts of damage. I think that Thermo Burn, if that's still going to be a thing, is actually too fast to want Chandra. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, is four mana too much for that deck? And it is. Um, yeah. But, like, heck, even stretching at three mana for the uh, Fevered Visions is, like, pushing it. Because well, I mean, that, you're that deck it. wants to hit five mana, and it wants to be able to cast Collective Defiance. So getting to the amount of mana for Chandra Torch of Defiance is not the issue. My issue is, does it need Chandra is the big right. thing. And that's, like I said, you can tool around with it. I'm sure people are going to test it in a couple of the red decks. There's there's bound to be decks out there that we haven't even thought of yet that people are testing. And yeah. I've, I've only been scratching the surface. Like I said, there hasn't been, there isn't really many standard tournaments coming up that I'm looking to test for. So who knows? But she's great. I like her a lot. I will mention that uh, yesterday, Frank Karsten had a had a article published on Channel Fireball with 10 of his 20 Kaladesh brews. Um Go check it out. There's a lot of sweet decks on there, and one of them was a Jund Planeswalkers deck featuring Chandra, Nissa, and Liliana. Dude, you know what? Every time we get, like, I love the fact that we have, like, the Sato Wayfinders turned into this, this kind of stuff. Like, just throw together your jankiest little crazy brew, and every time there's, like, two straight up, I'm just playing all these Planeswalkers decks. Yeah. And it's, it's hilarious. And 
it's one of those like it's never gonna like see like tournament play, but it's if you have the cards and tool it up for your F and M, go for it. Those kind I have, of things I have fun. a friend who to F and M he took five color co- deploy the gate watch. Oh um, and he God. went three and one with it. See, because no one's expecting it. No one will yeah. expect it. Like and, I don't think it, it doesn't have the legs to last a fifteen round tournament, but like your four or five round F and M, it can trounce it, man. Yeah. It was just really and one of my I was talking to one of my other friends, Doug, and he was like, The mana base on that deck is terrible. <laughs> it's just <laughs> this is not a format where you can play five colors very easily, I don't imagine. Like No, you're really, really stretching to get some of those colors because we were only getting like the enemy colored tap or the fast lands and like Ether Hub's your best friend and that one's an energy deck and I don't an energy seems a little bit more aggressive for standard than we might initially have thought. Um, so a few questions before uh, we sign off. Um, Ian, yes, this is going to be a trick question because I already know the answer. Uh, you sit down for your pre-release pool and you yep. open your packs. Which one of these do you want to open? Of these four, do I want to open. It's going to be Chandra, but I won't lie. It'd be kind of fun. To, oh right, we completely forgot to talk about this with Nissa. Speaking of pre-releases. So Kathleen at the pre-release, at the pre-pre-release, she, like, ultimate, she played Anissa, she got Anissa out. I think she ticked it up, like, once or twice, and then ultimated it right off the bat. And, like, two turns later, she's like, I really should not have ultimated. I've seen this as well. Anissa's ultimate is a trap. Yeah, it kind of is. You don't want, like, do you want to ultimate her, like, way into the advance, like, way into the future. Like, if you can get her up to, like, maybe 10 or 12 loyalty, then, then pop her six. But she has so much more value using her plus ones to generate her minus threes to do her plus ones because that 5-5 creature with haste can just wreak havoc on your opponent's combat mass. That's very true. Um, I forgot to mention that. Nissa, I would love to be able to play like some crazy green deck with Nissa in there because there's some fun stuff you can do with green. Yeah. Um, That said, I would love to see Chandra. I don't know. I don't particularly enjoy playing control decks during pre-releases. So Dovin might be, oh, two-headed giant, I like playing the control decks. If I'm playing by myself, I want to play something more mid-range or aggro. That's fair. That's just how I prefer my pre-releases. I mean, obviously I'll go with what the pool dictates, but I never, I say that, I say the control things, I never open enough control cards anyway. <laughs> yeah, sealed is kind of a crapshoot for pre-releases anyways. But I would definitely love to see Chandra. I mean, even with Red Red, it's still... It's still a good card. It's... It's funny how we have dual color casting costs or two colors. And there's also no black planeswalker. Yeah, I think we're going to see some black planeswalkers in Aether Revolt. I don't think we're going to get a Liliana. I think Tezzeret's going to be black. <laughs> Grixis Tezzeret. No, it's... He's not really red, unfortunately. I don't, it's, it's the dream. No, he's the probably, dream. he'll probably be some black... Ba- he'll probably be a black base. He's probably black blue, but then that's like three blue planeswalkers in a block, and that's weird. But I don't know. Anyway, what would you want to open, John? I mean, Chandra's just kind of the default answer because she's just so absurd, and it's just gonna, she's just going to be so good. But I think that I would love to open a Dovin Bond and just be, like, the no deck. Ah, nope.deck. Just nope.deck. And just, well, what are you going to do? Nope. But I want oh, a nope. It is kind of... It is, I, I say I don't like playing that deck, but it is so annoying when you run into that person who's just, like... Um, especially with all the, like, the pseudo-lockdown effects that exist in the set, like... Target creature can't attack, but it can block. Your target creature, you know, can't attack, can't block, and its act- abilities can't be activated. Those kind of, all those prison-style effects are just ridiculously present in the set. Yeah. Um, 
we have so I think that kind of wraps it up as far as the the planeswalkers are concerned because the planeswalkers are all sweet here on Kaladesh. Um, they're gonna be they're they're all gonna impact some level of play in some in some form or fashion. Um, they're all really sweet. I think they did a good job in any of them. I think they did a good job with this batch. I do too. I was surprised to get four in Kaladesh, and I think that these four all do do some good things. Um, I'm interested to see what Ether Revolt brings as far as Planeswalkers, because I mean today's story. Oh my God! If we want to, if we can just take like five minutes, Allison, you are a genius. I, I haven't read it yet. <laughs> oh, you're the worst. Work work was crazy today, and then I got home and wanted to play Destiny. I should have read the story, but no, I've been hearing nothing but amazing things about it. I'm going to read it tomorrow. And yeah, Allison Lurs, uh, community manager at Wizards, wrote this week's story, and it is a plus plus, really good. Uh, one of my favorite posts was um, <laughs> that I liked because um, people tend to hate on Nissa in stories for some reason. And one of them, my favorite comment that I saw was like, and Nissa was bearable. <laughs> oh, no. Poor Nissa. Yeah. All I over the place. I don't know why people hate her. Nissa so much. I, I don't know if it's now, the author but, or what. But but also, apparently, she talked to uh, Shivan Bhatt yes. about uh, the, uh, the food, food and, and, uh, and all the kind of drinks. Yeah. yeah, food and drink. There's a really nice um you linked this to me, John. Well, his his Tumblr account, the one you linked me wasn't great, but the post below it he made on yes. his Tumblr is actually really, really good. Yes. About um, we can I we'll, we'll link that one in the show notes as yes. to his Tumblr for that one. But I, I do like the fact that people are reaching out to people who actually know about this. They're not just like, let me let me Google this and check on the internet and might get wrong information. It's like, hey, let me go to someone who actually lives this. Yeah. It, it, it was a great story, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the Kaladesh story, because it's sweet. Oh, yeah. Anyways, I think that's going to go ahead and do it for us this week. Uh, next week, we can talk about all of our experiences at our pre-releases, because it's going to be fun. Um, also, I think I'm going to be going to a PPTQ, uh, the release weekend, for Kaladesh Sealed. So we'll see how that goes. Didn't you judge? Did you judge? Oh, did that GPT fire this weekend? When you were no, judging? it didn't. <laughs> that's two, man. It's it's miserable, but yeah. but there's always there's always more more events to judge. Um, oh yeah. In any case, uh, again, that's gonna do it for us. Um, Ian, where can people find you on the social medias? You guys can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ, and you can find me on Twitch at Twitch.tv/dix. Or you'll see me in streams, uh, modding. Like I said, life's crazy. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Man, I keep saying this week in, week out. I'll probably stream, I'll probably stream, and life happens. Um, things are going to be crazy. But anyway, that's not funny. John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. Uh, that's J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. Uh, you can also find me on Twitch by the same handle, but I have no, I make no promises about streaming in the near future. Um, if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can reach us at Eyes in the Mize on Twitter. Or if you have a more personal question, you can send us to send it to our email at eyesinthemize at gmail.com. Please don't forget to leave us a review either on iTunes or on Google Play or just sending us a tweet. We love to hear your feedback. And big shout out to the people. Big shout out to some of my friends though who did mention it's like, oh, you're recording a podcast? Yeah, man, go record it. I need to hear it from my uh, my commute. So thank you. I would say Morning Joe, but my name is not Joe, and neither is Ian's. Yeah. But I also don't drink coffee, so that's that's not a relevant joke for me either. I drink way too much coffee. That doesn't surprise me. I, <laughs> had, about, case, I had about three and a half cups a day. Jeez. Anyways, <laughs> thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.